Good morning and welcome to our online gathering of Christ United Methodist Church. My name is Rick Shule. I'm the pastor here and I am so excited to have you here with us this morning. These are wild times and we are gathering in different ways. I always say that the life of the church is a constant gathering and a constant sending. And so each week we gather together to be renewed by God's spirit, to encourage one another coming to the cup and the, the bread and then being sent back out into the world to bring the light and life of Christ into our world. That doesn't stop. And even though we've suspended our physical gathering, we are gathering here online together. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to make sure that you know that no matter who you are, um, you are welcome here and you are fully loved and accepted by God and by this church. Uh, thank you again for being here this morning. I'm really excited to have our special guests and friends, Melissa Tom and Michael Jugo. They are emergency room doctors here in the area, and uh, they've also been worshiping with us. When did you start worshiping with us? About last fall? Uh, oh, about a year, about a year ago. ago. Okay, excellent. Um, well, why don't you just get started and share a little bit about yourself and what you do, and uh, yeah, just introduce yourself a little bit. Um, well, we moved to the Portland area about four years ago, and I've been working as an emergency physician in Portland since then. Mm -hmm. um, we have a family of three children, so we're relatively busy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How about you, Michael? And uh, I, I actually used to work at Good Sam in town, but I work in McMinnville as well as an emergency physician. Yeah. So it's a bit of a commute, but uh, well worth it. I enjoy the practice environment. All right. So how, man. You guys have three children and both emergency room doctors at different, uh, you, you must have to order your life pretty stringently to keep everything put together, huh? Yeah, we live and breathe by Google Calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, how are you doing during this crisis? How, how is it for you at work? How is it for you at home? And, and uh, just how are you personally doing? Yeah. I think it's been a, this past week has definitively been life-altering for mm. everyone. Mm -hmm. I think it's been a week that's been fearful, yeah. anxiety-provoking. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I, uh, I think us as a family, I realized this yesterday as we were sitting at home and had nothing to do but enjoy <laughs> each other. Wow. Um, it's been a nice change not Good. to have to rush mm -hmm. everyone out the door somewhere. And right. so we use the day to enjoy one another. Good. Good. You, you highlighted fear, right? I, I, yes, there's an element of anxiety, but I think more than anything, uh, provided you arm yourself with truth and information, you, mm -hmm. you read about how to appropriately approach something like this, yeah. it's empowering. Yeah. And, and over time, you realize collectively we, we can handle this. Good. You know, we as emergency physicians, we as the healthcare providers, we as society right. can yeah. handle this. So, so moving right into that, what are the most crucial things that we need to know right now, people in our city need to know about COVID-19? I saw in the news just this morning that we had our first death in Oregon yesterday. And so it feels like things are, you know, uh, getting a little bit more tense. And so what are, what are the crucial things that we need to know? First and foremost, this is real. This is real. This is real. Uh, this is not just a typical influenza Mm -hmm. season. Uh, this truly is a pandemic. Coronavirus, COVID-19 is more contagious than typical influenza. Mm -hmm. um, and then I encourage folks to do some reading about what the CDC 
recommends and what the CDC uh, hypothesizes as the likely spread of infection. It's, mm -hmm. it's sobering. Yeah. Um, but what's crucial is to understand this is a, a virus spread in large measure by respiratory droplets. Okay. And one of the respiratory droplets drops as well that land on hard surfaces. There's, mm -hmm. there's a debate on, ongoing as to how long those, vi those viruses are viable on a hard surface. But simply put, you can contact those viruses on your hand. And if you wipe any mucous membrane, eyes, mouth, nose, what have you, mm -hmm. It's yeah. yours. And so aggressive hand washing is Good. crucial. Um, uh, obviously, soap and water is crucial, but if you don't have access, uh, hand sanitizer, wipes. We wipe down religiously our mm -hmm. phones. Mm -hmm. Our phones are phones. some of the greatest fomites, some yeah. of the greatest vectors by which you transmit. Got it. Mm -hmm. Steering wheels, things like this. Okay. Um, yeah. And the vast majority of cases are going to be uh, mm -hmm. mild. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, viral syndromes, colds, fevers, body aches. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they say pr they purport 80%, roughly speaking, according to the, the data that came out of China, mm -hmm. were, oh. were mild cases. Okay. Um, but there are situations where it can become more severe. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to remember the, the main symptoms. This is new for everyone, so we're learning as we go. Um, but the main symptoms are fever mm -hmm. and cough. Mm -hmm. shortness of breath mm -hmm. um, and it's a really important to remember that if you experience any of those you do not need to run to a doctor's office okay. or a hospital right away okay um, in fact it's more important that you isolate yourself so as to minimize infecting anyone else okay. because as Michael said this is very contagious yeah. Um, yeah so speaking so in that vein Oh, we've taken some dramatic measures. We've closed our schools uh, here at the church. We've shut down all public gatherings. We're gathering online with everyone. Um, is this a good step? Is this the right thing to do? Uh, should we, is this overkill? What, what's your opinion on the measures that we're taking as a society? It feels like that. Yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I understand that, that it feels like that, but absolutely it's the correct thing to be doing. Okay. I think that it's really important to remember at this point that coronavirus is here. And yeah. so now our goal is to really slow the spread of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And we do that by maintaining our distance from one another. We do that by uh, minimizing the contact that we have with others. Okay. Um, and as Michael mentioned, the hand washing and the, and the mm -hmm. preventive nature of, of mm -hmm. what we do. The, the reality is there will be a certain amount of infection that occurs and the vast majority of people won't need hospitalization. But one has to understand there's, I believe, 925,000 inpatient beds in this country. Wow. Right? That's not a lot when you consider what... 300 the, million people. <laughs> right, and, and what the CDC recommends or hypothesizes as the potential infection quantity. Wow. So the objective, using these measures that our state, local mm -hmm. authorities have instituted at in an in early stage is to try to draw out mm -hmm. that distribution of infection. So it's doesn't bolus at it at one time. If it yeah. does, if it peaks aggressively, we will be overburdened. We're, yeah. we're going to be taxed. Our, our respective departments have already gone through disaster management plans and such, mm -hmm. but the objective is to draw out Good. that infection. Good. Yeah. I would definitely emphasize that. I think what we've learned from the countries that have 
already been experiencing coronavirus for months more than we have, um, is that if we are aggressive and we're early about the measures that we take, we can drastically reduce the number of people that are infected and certainly mm. those that die. Wow, wow. Whew. Big stuff. But it's yeah. serious, right? I mean, th that's what this is. We are being wise. We are looking at a, at a real situation, and we're taking the right measures to get things done. So I think thank you for sharing those things. I don't want to have to hold you down to these answers, but long term, what's it look like? What, I'm not going to ask you when schools are going to get back in session, <laughs> but, but down the road, What's the other side of this hill look like? When do you think that that might be? Like I said, you can be wrong, and I'm not going to hold you to these sure, answers. Sure, sure. But yeah. You know, according to our reading, what we've understood to be the case is it's not unreasonable to think that this is going to continue throughout the fall. Okay. Um, I think that really depends, though, on how serious the public takes this. Okay. I mean, like I said, we, you know, our measures for preventing spread can make a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you guys so much Certainly. for being here. Can thank I say you. a word of prayer for you and your family and your yes. teams as, as uh, we go? Pray with us, everyone. Loving God, uh, we know that you are at work in this world, that you are making things right. And God, you are at work, especially through Melissa and Michael and their teams and their hospitals. God, we pray for every protection on them. We pray that they would draw upon the wisdom that you've given them to uh, meet each case with love and compassion, with skill, and God, that through their hands you would heal people. Lord God, I pray that uh, we would heed their words, we would understand that the preventative measures we're taking now are going to go miles in helping our healthcare professionals. I pray that you would continue to give them energy Give them your strength, your love, and your passion as they go out and as they meet this crisis and as they do your work of healing your people. Bless them, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. I try to keep a pretty strict schedule and a routine as a pastor, and part of that routine is I write my sermons on Monday for the following Sunday. Pastors, write your sermons early in the week. I love it. I cannot recommend it enough. It keeps me sane. But what that also means is that I don't change my sermons based on anything that happens throughout the week. We usually bring those things up in prayer, but I won't change the sermon. And trust me, there's been times when I've wanted to, <laughs> but I've held on to that practice and it's helped me create some order and stability in my life and in my schedule. So I try not to mess with it. And this week, I really wanted to mess with it. <laughs> I was nervous that a reading from Matthew 6 today would come off flip and trite. To say, don't worry about your food, your clothes, your health, your toilet paper. Put God first and all is going to be okay. I was worried that those words might ring a little hollow as we are practicing social distancing, attempting to lighten the burden of this pandemic, and as people are getting sick and as people are dying. But then I thought, maybe this is exactly what we need to hear right now. God wants the absolute well-being for all creation. 
God wants basic needs met. He wants health and joy, acceptance, friendship, and love for everyone. That's what God wants. That's what the kingdom of God is. And today's scripture tells us that if we put our focus there on God's kingdom, on God's hope for others, then we can worry about ourselves a little less. And that's pretty good. So I think we're going to keep going with where we've been in the sermons throughout Lent. And we're going, to, we're going to keep letting God speak to us through the plan that we've already laid down. Throughout Lent, this time of preparation for the cross and Easter, um, we've been looking at the indispensable practices or the steps of the Christian life. First, we talked about prayer, both personal and communal prayer. And I'm asking you to pray five times a day when you wake up in the morning before each meal and before you go to bed at night. If our community, those that worship here regularly, all prayed five times a day, we would be sending up 7,350 prayers a week. And I think that that would change us. I think that that would change who we are and change how we impact our community. So continue to pray. Um, I've also talked about gatherings and communal prayers. Even as we join the effort to slow down the spread of the coronavirus, we're still gathering like this. It's a little bit different, but we're doing it. We're still in this together. Last week, we talked about seeking wisdom, that, that in, indispensable step of the Christian life to seek wisdom. And uh, in God calls us to love God with all of our minds, and we do that by seeking God through Scripture, by seeking God through the wisdom of the church or tradition, by seeking God through the wisdom of education and science, we call that reason, and by seeking God through our own personal experiences. And today, we're talking about the indispensable practice of generosity. It's part of our membership and our baptism vows. We promise to represent Christ and to uphold the ministries of the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our services, and our witness. But more than that, more than just living up to our membership vows, we're called to live lives with an open hand, to be ready to give, to not shrink from the needs of others, but to be ready to let go, even of our, even of our own resources for the well-being of others. This is how God moves through us. This is how the kingdom of God comes. And when we participate in this openness, and this giving, paradoxically, we find that we need to worry about ourselves a little less. Every culture and sacred text in our world, in our history, contains messages like this. Those who live generously are taken care of. A Hindu proverb reads, they who give have all things. They who withhold have nothing. The Buddha teaches Giving brings happiness at every stage of its expression. The Hebrew Proverbs say, A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives water gets water. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give, will be the measure you get back. Every spiritual teaching contains these thoughts about living life with an open hand. Giving makes us happier. It makes us worry less. 
and it opens up doors to new life. I'm reminded of a story from the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. Um, There was a drought and a famine in the land. Elijah was a prophet. He had his own little oasis, but when that oasis dried up, he started traveling. He headed northwest, and there he found a widow as she was collecting sticks for her last meal for her and her son so that they would eat this stick soup and then die. Elijah was also desperate, so he went to her and asked her for some water and for some bread. Can you imagine? What? I'm making stick soup for my last meal with my son, and you want me to take care of you, stranger? But that wasn't her attitude. Even when things were down and out, she was still living life with an open hand. This woman exuded generosity even in the bleakest of times. And so she fed Elijah, and then Elijah blessed her. And as the story goes, her jug of oil never ran out throughout the rest of the drought. I think the jug of oil was probably symbolic for all of her basic needs. She was living life with an open hand, and when somebody needed help, she helped them, and she was taken care of. There's a lot of worry in our economy right now. Things are shaky. And so our government has responded to the economic crisis in the same way that we have in the past. We've cut taxes and we've cut interest rates. We'll stave off the recession by increasing the purchasing power of Americans. That's what we've always done. We'll put more money in our pockets and we'll be okay. Well, that's not going to work this time around. I'm not an economist, but I know that the issue is not Uh, But I know that the issue is with the global supply chain, not with our ability to buy. We'll be okay not when we are richer, but we'll be okay when everyone is okay. I think that in our coming months, we'll see our leaders partner with global partners, global leaders, in restoring others. Then we'll see some real turnaround. When we live with an open hand and caring for all people, the well-being, well-being of all people, the kingdom of God, then we'll have to we'll worry about ourselves a little less. Those who give, receive. I wish that I could guarantee that if you give to the church, then you'll always have what you need. I believe it, but I can't guarantee it. I think it's a faith thing. I can't guarantee it, but... I can testify. I've always given 10% of my income to the church. I grew up doing it. And that's been more of a challenge, moving to Portland and being first-time home buyers. But we've been striving to give at that rate. We currently give $600 a month to the church. We give online, and we've been talking and working on increasing that. We've always given to the church. Always. And last year... The worst thing happened to our family. Our six-year-old daughter, Clementine, was rushed into emergency brain surgery. Miraculously, she's had what I would call a 99% full recovery. She's back. And so we're praising God for that, of course. And of course, we were facing tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills 
that's going to span multiple years. And in that time, we were surrounded by love and by gifts. We were carried by you. We never missed a meal. And because of the generosity and love, we never had to stop. We never had to hold back our giving to the church, to the children that we support around the world, or to our next-door neighbor who had sp uh, surgery for spinal cancer and was adjusting to a new life in a wheelchair just as we were coming home from the hospital. We never had to worry about ourselves, and we could continue to live generous lives, live with an open hand. Now, more medical bills are in our future, but I'm not worried. We're going to live lives with open hands. We're going to increase our giving to the church. We're going to give when and where we can. And we're going to live for God's kingdom, which is well-being for all people. And I'm not going to worry. Not going to worry. When we give in worship, this is the proclamation that we make. We declare the kind of people that we will be. We cannot fully be Christians. We cannot fully live into this Christian life without generosity, without living with this open hand and caring for those in need around us. And speaking of the church, this, these are going to be weird times for our finances. <laughs> I say every single week that the church is like a family. We are, like every family, we are an economic body. We are able to do the ministries of our church through our gifts. We're committing, as a church, to paying our staff their regular wages, even as we suspend physical gatherings. We're asking them to find new ways to connect with you uh, online and, and, um, and how we do that. And we're going to need your support. Currently, about 35% of our giving comes through, comes through online, and we're going to need to bump that up if we're going to make it. Go to our website and find the Give tab, and it'll, just, it'll direct you to the secure giving site, cedarmillchristumc.org slash give. You can sign up for regular giving. That's what we do. And if you need help, reach out to your circle leader, or you can email me, uh, reach out to me as well, and I'll help you get on that. If you feel more comfortable mailing your checks in, that works too. If you've never given to the church or a religious organization before, I don't expect you to start by giving $600 a month. I hope that you work up to that and see how good it is to be generous and see how God will take care of you. But I want to encourage you to start wherever you can and give whatever is wise for you. Give regularly and see how God lifts you up. Let's continue to support the church even in these difficult times. Christians, we got to be generous in every way. So give. Continue to put people and their well-being first. This is what the kingdom of God is. And you'll see that you, you'll need to worry about yourself a little less. I love you. I'm praying for you. And may God's peace surround you on both sides, be above you, be beneath you. And may you be empowered to love and serve in your world. Amen. Amen.